Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. Anytime that I can talk football, fatherhood, all kinds of things on this podcast, I am down for it. And this guy that I've got on the Intentional Encourager podcast, he is a former college quarterback. We're going to talk about that. So you, you, get, the, you get the football angle, which I am grateful for. He is an author, a podcaster. His book, Win the Relationship, Not the Deal, came out last January. We'll talk about that. His podcast, The Quarterback Dad Podcast, we'll talk about that. But I am pumped to have with me this morning sales and leadership coach Casey Jaycox on the Intentional Encourager Podcast. Casey, how are you today, man? I'm well. I'm like, didn't even recognize who you're introducing it. It got, doesn't sound like me. It sounds like too good to be true, but uh, that is all <laughs> factual data. So I'm humbled to hear those things. Thank you. Oh, no, man. It's my pleasure. And, and, and again, it's, it's funny because, uh, you know, I, and, and I've had people introduce me when I've been on podcasts like that. And I'm like, wait a minute, are you sure they're talking about me? And here I roll up in a hoodie and, and things like that. Casey, if you're watching on YouTube, Casey is far more well-dressed today than I am. I am. I am rocking my Cincinnati Bengals pullover today in hoodie. And, and uh, I was telling Casey before we started recording, it's chilly here today. So I wanted to put something on. And I hadn't broken this out. And the NFL draft is the time we record this. The NFL draft is next week. So I'm kind of getting prepared in my mind for, for that event as well, too. So, Casey, I want to start here this morning with you. Take me through the last year. In, in your life and your family's life. Because again, we're about 2,000, 2,500 miles apart, you being in Washington State, I'm here in West Virginia. The experiences of COVID-19 have been vastly different. Mm -hmm. So take me through the last year in, in your family and your business around COVID-19, what you've seen, what you've experienced, and give me something you weren't expecting, either positively or negatively, that came out of it like, man, I wasn't expecting that. Um, I would say opportunity and blessing comes to mind, um, from, from my family. Um, the, the amount of time it's, we slowed us down. I so I have a 15 year old and a 12 year old, both in the sports, um, which we got shut down completely. Um, we were very lucky and blessed to have, we have a, a kind of a little vacation getaway place in Eastern Washington. So we spent literally four months there and, number of family dinners, the number of, um, you know, just quality family time that I will never get back, which is in, I look at things from an opportunity perspective. I'm just, I'm a naive optimist. So that, that was, um, you know, it was hard on everybody. You know, I, I think for me as it relates to COVID, I'm just excited for like 10 years from now. And hopefully someone will tell me the truth because you're not going to get the truth from any media outlet. You're going to get someone's trying to convince you something. Yeah. And so, um, you know, what I, what I was surprised maybe about what, what I, you know, like I, I was surprised and, and positively surprised on, on cause the coaching game, Brian, it, I didn't really plan to do it. I didn't really plan on starting a business. I knew I wanted to write a book and I knew I wanted to start a podcast two years ago, but I didn't think I would be, um, coaching, 
my coaching stuff has really kind of started taking off. And um, you take for granted when you've been in a job for 20 plus years of how much information you store in your head in that uh, computer upstairs. And um, you, you realize that's a lot of wisdom that you, when you, people start asking questions and you share it with people, it's, yeah. that's been a po very positive thing for me. I, I got to jump in and ask you about this because you were, you were talking about your, your kids, your 15 and 12 year old and not yep. being able to play sports. And, and I was on a podcast last week talking about high school basketball. I've been very involved uh, with my son's Christian school when he played, of course, he's been graduated a couple of years now but I'm still involved in the program and in doing things with the program and things like that. And Casey, what happened to us here in West Virginia was we were getting ready to start our state tournament and boom, it shuts down. And there was no opportunity for those kids to complete their senior year. Like that's gone. That'll never come back. Unlike what the NCAA has done in giving kids back another year, which has been great. But these high school kids never got that year back. Walk me through what it was like for you coaching because it, you played at the collegiate level. We'll, we'll get into that. But how did you coach your kids through the shutdown of a season that they were right in the middle of? Yeah, well, so similar, my daughters, my daughters and son team, they were in the middle school state championship. So they, they both got shut down too. So again, back to my optimism, I always feel like what, whatever people believe in, but like God only puts so much on your plate you can handle. Yeah. And I look for opportunity. So I said from day one, when COVID started, I said, we had a little family meeting. I said, the Jaycoxes will not use COVID as an excuse not to succeed in life. So yeah, this sucks, but guess what? Everybody's getting picked on, not just us, not just another other family. I mean, everybody's going through. So I, the time we're going to spend complaining about this, I want to be emotional. I want to be empathetic to what you're going through. And we, and we, we kind of got that emotional, but let's, we got to move on because we're not going to change it. And I think it's maybe that's the quarterback in me where it's like, Hey, it's second and 10. I get sacked. Well, I, I can't sit there and cry and, and, and blame people and say, well, they didn't, they didn't tell me they were blitzing. Well, you know, it's like they did. So we got now it's third and 17, man. I'm so glad you brought that up because I have been looking for an outlet for a few months to, to, to express this. And, and it's the perfect, I, I thank you for that segue. I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan. I'm sorry. Well, you can't help your race, <laughs> but, but no, the, the, the optimism this year in drafting Joe Burrow, number one, Burrow gets hit in a play in the third quarter. They're playing the Washington football team. He gets hit on a sack play and tears his ACL. I remember Tom Brady getting hit on a sack play and his season being done. I remember Deshaun Watson getting hit on a sack play, tearing his ACL. His season was done. I don't remember the angst from Patriots fans blaming the offensive line, blaming the offensive line coach. Yeah. When Brady got sacked, it was like, okay, his season's done. Nobody wanted the offensive line coach to be run out of New England. They didn't want Darn Dante Scarnecchia, the longtime offensive line coach up there. They didn't want him run out of town. Same thing with the Texans' offensive line coach. In Cincinnati, it was incessant. Oh, you know, somebody needs to fire the offensive line coach. This is terrible. How do you not protect your quarterback? How do you? It's like if if the that's why guys get paid to rush the quarterback. 
Yeah. That's why guy. That's why defensive linemen get just as much money as offensive linemen to go hit your guy that's got the ball. That's what a D lineman does, and and an offensive lineman is not going to be able to block successfully on every play. I mean, there are times that the guy in front of him for that play is better than he is, and it's a you know. And I've always said the NFL is a one play league. You know, you're one play away from scoring, but you're also one play away from your season going the other way. I love what you said about not using COVID as an excuse because, again, I heard a bunch of excuses. We got to fire the offensive line coach. Got to do this, got to do that. How was it for you when you got your family together? So we're not going to use it as an excuse. What was the reaction from your family? Because, again, we can do stuff to motivate our families, but w- was your family buying in? Were you getting some pushback? How, how, take me through, if you don't mind, take me through sure. those conversations. No, they were not. They, they, they bought in, and I think part of leadership is influence and bringing people together, which is what dads and quarterbacks and business leaders have to do. And you do that by asking great questions, which that's something I'm very passionate about. And uh, there's a lot of family exercises that I, I learned through just networking. And so like one, I'll give you an example, like one dinner, one night we talked about going around the dinner table and just trying new things. And so we said, all right, like to my son, I said, okay, you're, we're going to go around and I want you to say one thing you appreciate most about each person in your family. So one thing about your sister, one thing about your mom, one thing about me as your dad, and then one thing you love about yourself. And just like little things like that, different types of conversation different like little games, what we might do. It just got, got their mind off of what was not going right versus what, Hey, let's talk about what we do have. What are some new things we could be um, doing differently? And um, uh, you know, I th- just like anything, I mean, and I think a lot of it was we, we all didn't know and we still, I don't think we still don't know at times what's, what the heck's going on. But I think we, the one thing we do know is that we got four people inside these walls and we love each other and we're safe right now. And let's focus on that. Well, and and again, I love what you said there about what do you appreciate about your family members? And then what do you appreciate about yourself? What do you what do you respect about yourself? Because a lot of times we don't appreciate until either it's too late or something happens. Somebody does something for us. You know, and and again, it was probably a power. I'm trying to put myself in that moment because I can imagine that it was a powerful moment where your son just said, dad, this is what I appreciate about you. Or your, you know, when he said it to your wife and you guys all got the chance to share, what did you learn about your family that you were like, man, this is, this is powerful. This is, this is, this is the influence I was going for. I, I learned that, I mean, I know I'm a positive person, but I, I've never heard my kids say that. And so they just said that we just, what we love about you is that you're always positive. You bring positive energy to us. You make it, you know, and so that felt great to hear, obviously, because that's something, that's how I'm wired. Um, I always define leadership as humility plus vulnerability equals leadership. Best leaders are, are you know, not afraid to say where they've messed up. They're not afraid to ask for help. Um, it's not about ego. It's about inspiring others. And so that's really what I try to do with my kids is, I mean, here's a weird example, but like, Yesterday, we were, my son and I were going to play golf and uh, his buddies, he's got some new buddies from this high school golf team that he made and they're like, they wanted him to play and he like felt bad about like, dad, I don't, 
he, he's, he, and I was out doing something. He sent me a text. He's like, Hey dad, you know, look, looking for tomorrow, but I didn't know if it'd be okay. He's this long winded yeah. around about, he's like, but my, my high school friends, I said, bro, anytime your friends ask like golf, ditch me. Yeah. We, you know, this is about, you know, you got amazing go build. You, you, you haven't been able to see your friends in a year, yeah. whatever, you know, six, whatever it may be. And obviously he's seen some, but you know, go out and play golf with your friends. Yeah. Like we're going to have plenty of time. He's like, Oh, that's the best dad. You know, it's like, so things like that, just, um, just working hard each day to build a better and better, better, more authentic relationship is what I'm really striving to do with both my kids and my wife too. Man, that is so good. Let's step aside, take a break. When we come back, I want to get into Casey's book. I want to get into the podcast, talk more about leadership a dynamic conversation with a dynamic guy. Casey Jaycox joins me here today on the Intentional Encourager podcast back in just a moment. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you as a business owner can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Casey, I want to get into your book. And, and again, I love, love, love the title of the book. You know, what? and I wrote a book last year myself called People Buy From People, but I love this, win the relationship, not the deal. And our books, you know, are, are pretty well aligned. And, and Casey, it, you know, I, I think people are forgetting, and maybe COVID is bringing everybody back to this. Maybe COVID is actually bringing people back to the fact of the power and importance of relationship. Take me through the impetus behind writing the book, you know, and, and that aha moment when you got into writing it, you were like, man, I didn't realize that this was good because, and, and the reason I say that, let me, let me, and forgive me for the long winded question. There are a lot of times, Casey, when, when, when in, and especially I find it for me, when I'm in the middle of something or a project or something, I'll listen back to a podcast or I'll, I'll read through something, writing the book. And I'm like, I didn't realize that I talked about it. I didn't realize it. Was there the, those moments for you as you were writing your book where that came about? Sure. I mean, we all had writers, writers block a little bit, but I think, you know, for me, my book hit me about nine years ago, eight or nine years ago, I was traveling, traveled quite a bit in my previous life at a company called K force worked there for 20 years and uh, was helping open up our Dallas market and there's some younger associates that were trying to, um, I was help, just helping them ramp them up a little bit. And at the time I was very fortunate to be our top sales producer for 10 years straight nationally, left as our firm's all-time sales leader. 
And I had this idea come to me where they wanted to, we were so competitive about winning deals. And I was trying to ask them like, how can you win a customer when you lose a deal? And they looked at me like, just, huh? Like what? I don't understand. I said, think about it. I kept asking them. I said, how can you win a customer when you lose a deal? And they didn't understand. I said, think about when, if you lose something and you follow up with them to make sure they had a good experience, even if it wasn't, you weren't the one they picked. Hey, I want to make sure that you, you got what you were, were seeking from your competitor that you, whatever. And the number of times I did that in the consulting staffing industry, where I would follow up with the client before the other company that won the deal, they'd be like, man, that, thanks for following up. The other people didn't follow up and no, it's not going well. And then I would end up picking up low hanging fruit, easy deals, but I wasn't doing it for that. I was just doing it because I cared about people. And I, and it was, I wanted, I never wanted someone to say, oh, Jay Cox, that guy's a weirdo. Dude, don't call that guy. He's, you can't trust him. Yeah. And, and then I knew I didn't want to write the book when I was still employed because I didn't want it to be a distraction. And then when I left in March of 2019, I took a couple months off, got my mind right, did a word mapping exercise. And then for four months straight from nine to 11 o'clock each day, I wrote each day. There were some days I felt like, oh man, this is great. And it was heinous. It was terrible. And there's days that I thought was terrible ended up being great and hired an editor. And, but the best editor I had, I didn't have to pay. Any idea who that is? Probably your wife or bingo. Yeah. Oh yeah. My, yeah. My wife. Yeah. Same, same here. So, yeah. And so I wrote the, wrote the book um, and it, it's been so therapeutic. I, I sarcastically, I would say I, I proved that one of the goals was to write a book to prove the football guys can't put sentences together. Um, but, uh, you know, joking aside, it was, it's not, it's not a, um, a very, what's called, you know, it's not a long read, 180 pages, but, you know, the reviews on Amazon have been so humbling. Um, and I knew I wanted to write a book that was short enough for salespeople that was story format that they could relate to. Yeah. Um, that we're just shooting the you know what right now. I want it to be like that. And so that's thankfully so far, that's majority of the reviews. I love what you said about proving that a football guy can write a book because, well, hey, hey, let me, let's go here for a second. A lot of people that are sports fans. I think don't understand everything that a quarterback has to process in a game. And, and you played at the collegiate level. I have mad respect for guys that played at, 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 at higher levels because when you are in, and especially the way the game is, is progressing now, it is, you know, the, the traditional seven step drop from center, you know, traditionally, you take the ball from under center. Obviously, you know, if you go back and watch football 20 years ago, the quarterback's under center, gets the snap, takes a seven-step drop, and kind of surveys the field once he gets his feet set. That is totally different anymore. 60, 60 70% of even the NFL game now is run from the shotgun and even then, when you're in the gun, you're still taking a two or three step drop and the, and it's moving faster and faster. And I've always been amazed at quarterback play, how much is demanded of the position at the NFL level, at the college, even the college level, how much is demanded of the position. Let's bring, let's bring the two together for just a second. How much of quarterback play is cerebral? And how much of it is leadership? 
because it, it, it and the reason I ask that, Casey, I see these guys with great, great arms. Man can throw it through a window. And it and it's like million dollar arm, 10 cent head. And, and they get to the league and it's just they they can't put it together. So break it down for me. How much of it is you have to be cerebral? And how much of it is you got to get guys that are willing to, pardon the expression, run through hell in a gas suit for you? Mm -hmm. I, I think it's a, a lot. I mean, 90% cerebral, you got to know how to, you got to understand what, where, what's going on, who's going where, you know, what's, what's, what's the situation, what is our check, what, is the, what are tendencies, um, I think, I mean, maybe that's my bias because that was always my strength. That was a you know skinny kid that had to get in the weight room and, and squeeze every ounce of athletic ability out of me to get um, stronger. But um, I think the quarterbacks that that aren't smart aren't going to make it that long. You only can you can throw it as hard as you can, but if you know that they don't understand what, you know when to throw, have touch, what holes are going to be anticipation. I mean, all these things that I'm talking about now impacted me for life and prepared me for business leadership and the number of sports analogies I still use every day are all from playing quarterback. Um, but uh, that was what was fun to me. And even now, sometimes I wish like I'm jealous of the guys now they get to play because they, they, they're even more on them. I mean, obviously the run, the RPO game was run, run pass option. The, we had, we, we did a lot of shotgun, but we still did three, five, seven set drop. Um, Central Washington University was a big quarterback factory. Um, guys like John Kitna, Mike Riley, got him Zach Hill, who's the offensive coordinator at Arizona State. Yep. Um, you know, guys, there's a lot of quarterbacks that um, came to Central that are, are now Ryan Fournier, guys runs an insurance company. Like, there's, um, it's one of those positions where you're you you get too much credit, you get too much blame, but you got to be able to take both with humility and stride and grace and confidence um and i what inspired me most about playing quarterback when i love is is trying to get my offensive lineman's names in the paper that made my day you know and i mean there's a story of when my senior year of college um so i had this is what most people don't realize i had six offensive linemen receive all league honors so think about that for a minute yeah so for, for all the football geniuses out there they're like you should be your first question be saying, how's that possible? There's only five offensive linemen. You're like, you're right. We had one, one of, one of our guys, Evan Ayers get hurt and they had to have another guy step in and, um, he got him get honorable mention. So it's like, and then we ended up, I, the, our beat reporter that would interview me every week. I had him come down and do a story on the offensive line without telling him it was my idea. And then eventually got back to him. But like, that was what, you know, that's to me, it was back to your question about leadership. That's leadership. You know, those guys remember that forever. Well, in 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 case I didn't mean to interrupt there, but right. I loved what you said because the thing that people don't realize about an offensive line is that they're never touching the football. If they touch the football, something bad likely is happening. It, there's either a fumble or uh, there's a batted ball in the air that somebody's got to get from from being intercepted. Um, uh, not unless you've got a tackle, not unless you've got a really good athlete, you can run a tackle eligible play or something like that. Um, those get, you're right. Those guys are not your quote unquote skill positions. But again, like we were talking about with Joe Burrow, if you don't protect your quarterback and you got a musical chairs back there under center, it's going to be a bad year. 
because you've got to protect the guy that 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 is your trigger man, your guy that's that's running and calling signals. I got to ask you this. Th- th- I love that story about being intentional about that. What was that moment when you said, I got to make sure that these guys get recognized? Was there was there a moment that flipped for you or when you got to Central Washington, were you just trying to build connection with as many guys as you could in that offensive unit? I think I'll, maybe I'll answer that with a story. So I think I, I'm always wired that way because I almost didn't get get a play football in college. Um, my senior year, I, I had to compete against a guy that was a lot stronger than me uh, and so in high school. And so long, long story short, surprised everybody, ended up beating him out my junior year, had a decent junior year. And then uh, come senior year, I went to a couple camps, started getting recruited by some bigger schools. And then we had these things called jamborees. I don't know if you have those back in the yep. East Coast. Yeah, so like for those who don't know, it's like a mini little practice game. So time, and so there's three of those and we literally just, lit it up that, that Saturday and and we're like it's almost oh like a passing academy almost some kind of similar to like a Manning passing academy or something like that where where you go and you I would assume it's seven on sevens isn't it? no it was live 11 on 11 oh okay good yeah we're going yeah we're going it was live like a mini like series like you get a couple downs from the 30 the 20 the 10 yeah yeah you, we have some of those yeah they're they're closer to like July August where they'll have like a uh, like a two-quarter jamboree like a like conference schools will get together and yep. play those games yeah exactly i know what you're talking about okay yeah so we did that and then the last play of the jamboree i get put back in for whatever reason and um uh snow, slow snap uh um i end up getting my the defensive lineman shoots the gap his knee gets somehow gets on top of my toes so i can't move my foot and then defensive end comes wide hits me from the back and i feel like the tongue of my shoe just flew off i knew something was not right i felt immediate shock tried to stand up took a walk, took a step, collapsed. Trainer comes out, typical high school trainer. Oh, I think it'd be all right. Just put some ice on it. We'll be back by Monday. All of a sudden, pain started happening more and more and more. Uh, my mom and dad took me to the ER. Doc says, uh, you broke your foot in four spots. You'll be in surgery within three hours. I'm now done. The guy that I beat out now has to play quarterback because he was going to play tight end for us. He goes on to take our team to the state playoffs first time in 20 years, breaks our single season passing yardage record first time in 20 years, and was named second team all-league quarterback. All things that I would want to accomplish, but I couldn't. So after three games through the season, I'm thinking bad thoughts. I'm immature. I'm saying, man, I hope he plays bad. I hope he sucks. I hope he gets hurt. I mean, just selfish, selfish thoughts. And thankfully about that third game and I was like almost borderline depressed. I walked into my coach's office and said, man, I'm not acting like a captain. I'm, I need help. I got to figure out, I got to figure out some way to be a part of this team. And he was, it's funny. He was more like, I'm so impressed that you had the courage to come talk to me. And I was just, I was just asking for help. And he goes, Case, you, you, you know, this offense better than I do. Why don't you go up in the booth and help me call plays? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I want you to be my officer coordinator. And like that, when that happened, I felt like a vacuum sucked out all the negative energy. And I was like, boom, I had clarity, I had purpose. And, you know, then, then now I knew I, I was part of, you know, I was a leader again. And so now going, man, I got it. I got to jump in here. I love that story because it is so hard at times in, in, in full transparency, Casey, that's the biggest battle that I had with my son, keeping him encouraged in high school because he wasn't getting to play a lot, transferred schools. If he'd have stayed at the original school, he probably would have started his last two years, but he went to a better program. 
didn't play as much, but he was a great teammate. And that's what I was trying to get and encourage him was, you're doing things in practice that make your team better. You may not get to see the floor, and we didn't have high school. Our Christian schools don't play high school football because we just don't have enough kids. But when you were able to go up in the booth, I had two questions around that. How did it help you see the game better? And what did it do to your creativity? Because as an offensive coordinator, essentially as an offensive coordinator, you're trying to game plan and be as creative as you can, not only in play design, but in timing and things like that. What did it do for both of those things in, in, inside of you? I think it just, it just elevated my, so my strength was already like the, the, the mindset of, I just picked up football stuff, football knowledge quicker than most. I don't know. It was maybe just a gift or blessing, but it, it just elevated it. Uh, it allowed me to, to, to take that skill. And then when I got to college, it, things just came quick. Um, I understood concepts quick. I understood checks quick. Um, I think having that coaching that, you know, that we say quarterback is the coach in the field. So, um, uh, you know, I, but I, the, the, the big thing is once from doing that, though, I still had to go do it. I mean, I never really played high school football after my junior year. And so I didn't know if, could I keep doing it? And then, you know, I was a 12th quarterback of on the depth chart, my freshman year at central and, um, you know, all those skills I learned from just, okay, thinking about things, you know, when, when could I, you know, if, if it's third and six and I don't like play like having the confidence to know that hey I, I i can i can make this and it's just it's going to put us in a better spot than before um and you know being able to talk to my quarterback coach or coaches at the time and explain that hey this is why i did it and having confidence to do it and, and then just tell explain them that you know, hey i was and, and they knew about my injury and they so they knew that they they probably gave me a longer leash than, than others with that flexibility but it was um it's fun i'm gonna see the best thing that ever happened to me i i i would never take that if I didn't break my foot and I didn't, it would not, it would not have prepared me for business adversity, life adversity. Um, even when my kids go through their struggles, I'm like, listen, the, I already, dad already played. I'm done playing. And and this is not going to be an easy road for you, but like, these are things that we, that you have two choices. And if I would say it's a slide edge, great book by Jeff Olson. Like what's your slide edge. It's like, you're going to use this to get better. Or you use this to get worse. Wow. Um, no, I, I'm I'm just jotting this down. I mean, this is just such good stuff. I, I've got to ask you about the podcast real quick. Let, yep. Let's talk about it before we get to the break. The QB Dad podcast. When when you're when you're talking to people on your podcast, because I, I get this. I, I I I write stuff down. I take notes because it's just I, I'm I'm trying to not only trying to draw in great conversation, draw out more conversation, but take stuff in as well. What's been the one thing that aha moment from the podcast that you've gone, man, this is, this is dynamite. And what is the podcast done? What is your podcast done for you? Uh, I'd say the biggest thing the podcast has done for, well, the biggest thing I love about the podcast is that it's still going. I mean, you know, I, I, it's, I'm going on year two. I have, um, I think we're at almost 90 episodes published. I'm probably, I'm have episodes recorded now up through July. Um, I did not do the podcast to, for myself, 
yet I selfishly, I get therapy from it every week because I'm talking to dads. It keeps me present. It keeps me grounded. And, uh, it keeps me wanting to be curious, keeps me wanting to learn, keeps me wanting to be the best dad I can be. Um, I, what I love about the podcast I get to, you know, run is that I don't care if you're, you know, the, the Mariners announcer, Rick Riz to Aaron Goldsmith to coach Lorenzo Romar from Pepperdine to Michael Gervais of finding mastery. And he does work with coach Pete Carroll. Those are great jobs guys, but guess what? We're all dads. Yeah. And that's what we have in common. And that's really what I try to like block out the noise of like, it, we got 18 summers to make an impact on our kids before they they go and do their own things. And that's real. And that was from my wife. That was like one of the best quotes she ever said. And the guy, I also interviewed a guy named Swen Nader who played for John Wooden. That was an amazing experience. Um, the, the podcast for me is just a way to inspire dads. And I'm, you know, very blessed that we've had a couple of sponsors come on board. We have Acme Homes, a comb builder out in the state of Washington, and then a, a f amazing um, fish company called Catch Sika Seafoods, who they ship fish fresh from sick alaska and it's the most ridiculous fish but like when companies like that are wanting to get on board and i didn't i didn't know how i was going to get a sponsor um and i don't and i tell them i'm not charging a lot just help me cover my costs and let me keep doing this thing um and so i'm hoping they get more benefit out of, more benefit out of it than i do because then if it's if I, it's if it's more about someone else i know it's going to always return it always does that it did it throughout my whole business career and i, I just try to make make each episode about others, not me. Um, yeah. So. Man, that's awesome. That is so good. I love that. 18 summers to make an impact on our kids. You, you, it is because you blink your eyes. I tell my son all the time, your mom and I blinked and you were graduating high school. Yeah. You know, and, and so it, it just, it happens. Let's step aside, take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into more of Casey's life story. I love this. This is so good. Great conversation. I'm talking to Casey Jaycox. He's an author, podcaster, and a great guy. We've had some good football conversation. I'm sure we'll have more. Come on back. You never know what we're going to get into here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Back in a moment. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton. want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew, and he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger deeper and more powerful connector you've got to pick up a copy of people buy from people there are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector you can go to amazon and pick it up kindle if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way or now available on audible and there's one other way you can get a copy of people buy from people you can get one from me and i'll sign it for you you go to intentional media and publishing at gmail.com and send me an email and I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of people buy from people. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. 
Casey, let's get into your story. You you talked about you playing high school football and things like that. Take me back a little bit further, if you don't mind, to really when it started for you. Did you grow up playing sports, things like that? Take me from point A all the way to the present time and, and just go as far back as you want to go with your story. Yeah, I mean, I played sports growing up. Um football, baseball, basketball. I didn't play football until I was 12. My mom wouldn't let me play tackle football till then. So I was a soccer kid. And, um, I think back to, you know, I had great parents, great people around. We live middle-class family, you know, didn't travel a bunch. Our travel was camping and things like that. And, um, a lot of family reunions. Um, but I, I think back to like stories that helped shape me and that was in that journey was you know and I was 12 years old playing baseball and I remember the first time really getting a uh, fast pitch and the guy he swear he looked like he was like seven foot four <laughs> 600 pounds and I was like oh my god what am I doing and, and the guy we could had one hit of water. those kids in my little league man he threw harder than everybody else and he was just you know the, the the ball hummed to the plate yeah we had one of those guys too but you didn't know where it was going that's what was so scary oh man yeah our and guy so, our guy had good control Oh, dude, no. So, like, I had this is a great, this is like an embarrassing story, but one back again, back to that humility thing and vulnerability, like oversharing. But to me, this is where it's how we inspire people. I was so scared that I faked the stomach ache. And I told my, I'm like, oh, I'm not, there's no way I'm facing this dude. No way. And I remember on the way home, my mom asked them, they asked a question. I said, Oh, yeah, I didn't, I, I, I'm not really sick, mom. I just, I didn't want to face that guy. She goes, What? And I was like, new, uh-oh, I, I got caught here. I'm getting called out. And she made me call my coach and tell him what I did and own it. And then my coach said, well, you don't need to, you don't need to apologize to me. You need to apologize to your teammates. And so he made me the next day at practice apologize to everybody. It's like, like those lessons of I'm 45 years old and I still remember that like yesterday. Like I let them down because I was – you know, and so like that, but that built resiliency, that built grittiness, that built make it made me even more mentally tough or physically tough. It's like it's like I can't ever do that again. So stories like that. Um, I was always a, you know, I was an average athlete. I didn't really knew I could play in college until high school. And I, a guy like my old high school football coach, who's a really good friend of mine, Coach Marty Osborne. Remember when I was in junior, he said, "Hey, you got a chance to be our guy, but you got to get in the weight room. Here's the things you got to do." And I was like. I didn't, couldn't believe he was talking about me. I was like, what? Really? And so like starting when I was 15, I'd get up in the morning on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. My old, one of my offensive line would pick me up and we'd go work out in the gym before school. And then I'd stay after school on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'd do the same lift. So I was doing two days. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'd stay after and throw it to anybody. I don't care if you're in the band, drill team, teacher. I don't care who. I'll, I would find someone to throw the football to. Um, and then ended up getting, you know, I had a couple jobs in high school. What do you think your, what do you think your life would have been like? That is a beautiful and in, in it, that is a beautiful example of intentional encouragement. Your coach coming up to you and saying, you've got a chance. You can be our guy. What do you think your trajectory would have been if your coach had not intentionally encouraged you to, to dream like that and to think like that? Because is as I was listening to you talk, Casey, and I didn't mean to jump in, but I'm sitting here going, average athlete, like a lot of high school kids, but he gets that spark of intentional encouragement, and all of a sudden he goes from average to 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 great, just from that piece of intentional encouragement. 
you ever think back about that that moment and 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 the impact of the intentional encouragement that your coach gave you? Oh, 100%. I don't I don't I don't I de- totally changes the outcome of of who I I become. And speaking truth into people is such a gift. Um, I interviewed someone on my podcast. He was a coach, a local host, a high school football coach here. And he said, he remembers when I told him that story, he remembers his coach when he was like 10 or 12 years old, whatever it was. Like he says, man, you, you, you throw so well in the heat. You're such a good pitcher in the heat. And he's like, I am. And, you know, and sometimes you got to believe when, that's why I think the power of positivity is just like, you got to like inspire confidence in people and let them know, you know, cause I, I saw a stat that at the average human has 10,000 thoughts a day. And the, and the number of negative thoughts is 80% of those. So this, our negative self-talk is always there. It's always, we're like, oh, can I do it? Should I pick the phone up? How's the, this meeting's probably not going to go well. Oh, I don't like playing in the rain. I mean, all the negative, but it's like, and when you, if you can just inspire some confidence and some positivity in people, like, man, I love watching you play. Or, man, you're such a good defender. I, do, I would not want to go against you today. And make them realize when they step on the field or step in the business world or wherever it may be or family that, life's going to be okay. Cause I know, cause I people, I, I know, I believe what I do matters. And so does he, or so does she. And I, I just heard her say it. So, well, and, and one of my all time favorite quotes, and I, and I said this to him when he was on the podcast, I, I said this to Tom Ziegler about his dad. I said, Tom, one of my very favorite quotes is what your dad Zig Ziegler said. And he said, encouragement is the fuel that powers hope. And, and again, I love what you're saying, Casey, about I'd find anybody to throw it to. I did, it didn't matter. If you would catch me, I would. it didn't matter who it was. How did repetition make you better? Because I think, again, when you're talking about connection and relationship and, and, and winning the deal and things like that, it's, it's repetition. People buy connection before they ever make a transaction. It's repetitiveness. It's doing it over and over and being consistent. How did that repetition of throwing every day get you better? Oh, I mean, I mean, it, it, well, you had to be intentional about the throws. You had to be intentional about the types of throws you're doing, not just, you know, chucking it, but it was like more situation stuff and like, okay, hey, what's these, these next 10 throws are third and six. Jeff, mom gotta... out running routes. Was your mom out running routes for you? He's like, hey, mom, do it to, to get it. You go, give me 10 yards, just go 10 yards and then go out. And then I'll no, throw thankfully, thankfully, big dudes <laughs> did not run routes for me. Um, but I was going to say a second ago, it was like, so when I had these jobs in high school, I end up my first paycheck, I, I used it to go build up, um, my buddies, my buddy Greer and his dad, they helped me build a little tire swing. We hung from, and we built, dug it in the hole, put a tarp behind it. And I had a sport court so I could do drops on lines. And I literally threw hundreds and hundreds of balls to a tire. So my accuracy went off. I was so accurate in, in college because of those types of reps after school. You know, I would throw hundreds of balls a day. And so when I got to two days in college, my arm wasn't as sore as everyone else's because I was used to doing it, right? That same level of practice, I don't know if you've seen this in your business world, but the num- one of the number one things I coach leaders, leaders, sales teams, leaders is they don't practice. They wing it. They just show up. And so I, I always like ask them like, hey, tell me how, you, how your customers would feel if they knew you were practicing on them. How would that feel? Or because they don't like role playing, they don't like, you know, and I'm like, 
Although the excuse I guess, well, I don't like role playing. I don't sound like that in front of the customer. Well, Casey, Nick, Nick Saban did. We were talking about Nick Saban before we started recording. I, there is a video out there where Saban is talking to a recruit. And Saban says, listen, you can go to a school and there are schools that are going to tell you you're going to play right away. By the way, Nick Saban, native West Virginian. So, you know, hat tip. There to you it. go. Yeah. But he says to this recruit, he said, you can go to a school, similar school, similar SEC school, and you can play right away. They're going to tell you you can play right away. I'm not going to tell you that. You come to Alabama, your first two years, you're probably going to be behind guys that are going to go on to the NFL. He said, but our practices, you will not practice against, you won't play against people that are better than the guys you practice against every day. He said, ask the guys that have gotten drafted in the NFL. And he starts naming Amari Cooper, who plays wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys. And, and um, you know, cornerbacks and say, you know, Drake Kirkpatrick that played for the Cincinnati Bengals. He played defensive back. He said, these guys would go up against each other in practice. You know, our, 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 ta- our best receiver would go up against our best corner. And both of them are getting drafted number one in the NFL. Our offensive linemen are going up against defensive linemen, and they're both the, the both of them are first-round draft picks. He said the competition we play in practice, the, the practices, the games are so much easier than, the, than practice because practice you're playing against guys that are going to play on Sundays. And I love what you said about that because I don't think people realize that when you practice against and with great people, and you have those sharpening conversations with great people, sharp, brilliant people. Then you get in front of a customer, and it's effortless. Mm-hmm. You get in front of somebody you're trying to build a relationship with, and it's effortless. You mentioned being 12th on the depth chart, 12 quarterbacks when you get to Central Washington. How did you move your way up the depth chart? Just chipping away, chipping away, hard work. Um Making throws when I when I had the opportunity to um, asking questions, uh, showing up early, throwing afterward, just doing little things that I knew would help make me get better, and I knew I had to figure out each and every way, and and I knew that I had th- th- this amazing gift to get to the next level, where mo- and all these other eleven other quarterbacks already had played high school football, had great senior years. I didn't have that. And so I had a massive chip on my shoulder to go out and prove. And I was proven to, you know, the, the, the bigger division one schools that said, Hey, we think, I don't know if you could, we, we, yeah, come on, walk on. But central showed me a lot of love. And my, my college, my cousin played uh, football at university of Washington back in the mid eighties. And he said, man, and he said, it was really like a business. If you have a chance to play at a smaller school, do it. Uh, you'll play earlier. And I was, and it didn't really make a lot of sense then, but like, I, I look back now and I'm like, God, I'm glad he said that because I ended up being a three-year starter and have amazing friends still, still to this day. Um, but it just showed me that like, if you are intentional about your work, if you're intentional about your practice, if you're intentional about your goals, you write them down, you tell people about what you want to achieve. So you put your, you're, you're putting yourself out there and you're not afraid to fail. We're all going to fail at something, but it's what do we do with those lessons? And I, and I think that that type of grit, inspired moved into leadership and then you know next thing i know um my you know my saw halfway through my sophomore year i was i kept chipping away out and i was the backup and my buddy 
Ryan Fournier, a great friend of mine still. He had, uh, I didn't really get a chance to compete with him. And um, he ends up having a good first couple games. And then he kind of got bounced, didn't struggle a little bit. Then he got hurt. And I came in, um, we were down tw- uh, 28-6 to Pacific Lutheran University. Um, and I ended up throwing for 340 yards in two and a half quarters. We ended up losing 44-41, this wild shootout. And uh, never looked back from that. And so, like, if I'm not prepared um, to go, and then right then I knew that I, I knew I belonged. Um, and then I remember my coaches, they would get interviewed afterwards. Like, man, this, we got lucky. This kid should not be playing at Central. We got well, to go. Casey, people don't realize that the backup quarterback is always one play away from going into the game. Sure. One play away. That's how fragile the quarterback position is. I don't care what league you're playing in. I don't care what level you're playing at. Yep. You, your, your backup has got, got to always be prepared. And I can see where your preparation, as you were talking about things, hey, I was I went to the weight room. I threw balls when when my friends were off doing other things. I was, th- I was taking every rep in practice and trying to make the best throw that I could to move up with these other guys. I got to ask you this real quick. What's the one thing when people watch the game on Saturday and Sunday? What's the one thing most people don't understand about the quarterback position? How hard it is. I mean, they, they, I, everyone has all the answers. Oh, the guy's, guy's arms. <laughs> he's yeah. got a strong arm. I'm like, really? Like they used to say John Kennedy didn't have a strong arm. John Kennedy could throw it 75 yards. John, I mean, John and I, I could throw the same ball John could throw. I could throw, so, but John's ball was, maybe two miles an hour faster than mine, which means an 18 yard completion versus me getting a pick six, which is why you played the NFL for 17 years. Uh, people don't realize, you know, the stereotype of football players are idiots or dumb. And like the amount of mental, uh, the amount of mental preparation and understanding and practice it takes to play quarterback. I mean, I still remember plays from college trips open, right? Three thirty four stretch Z post X stop on, you know, I, I can remember plays still to this day and that's not meaning. I mean, I don't need to know anymore, but like I'm just wired in there. I had 110 plays in my wristband. I have 30 seconds to evaluate the play. The coach tells me now I have 20 seconds. Okay. What defense is it? And what coverages is it? I know I have 10 seconds. Okay. Now what's the situation? I mean, there's so much that's coming at me. Well, Casey, I love what you said there. And I had to jump in, man, because I think as well too, the power of communication. So you're going through that play that you just rattled off. If you are, as you're rattling that off, if you're not clear, your offensive linemen are going to go, okay, what, what was that? What was that play we're running again? Your receivers are going, where am I supposed to, you know, what play are we, what play are we running? And you had to be, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of putting myself in the huddle because if, if you're not clear, and every guy doesn't know what play we're running, it's disaster, right? Mm-hmm. No, totally. Yeah, And that's why it's up to the quarterback to make sure that we get them in the right position. Whether it's like, if it's, you know, zoom to trips, which is the motion to trips formation. If, if we're already starting in trips, then that's not, you, you got to make sure you get people lined up on the right side. If you got, you got to make sure you have enough guys in line of scrimmage, you get a penalty. You got to make sure that if, if you have a, um, you play call where it's gonna, they're going to be, we won't be able to protect because they're bringing six and we only have five blocking. That's not the lineman's fault. That's my fault. That's quarterback's fault, 
Right. And so like those types of lessons right there, but you're making me think of a, like, a, like in, in the staffing consulting industry I had, yeah, it's yeah, always there. easy to point the finger at someone else, but the best quarterbacks I was always around, I was taught guys like by Bo, Bo Baldwin, my quarterback coach, who's now the head coach at Cal Poly. It was always about what can you do differently? What can you do better? And, you know, and my other coach, coach Zan, John Zamblin, he always said, if you're th those that are good are going to tell everybody, but those, when you're great, they're going to tell you. I just love that piece of advice because it like it always sits home told me today and so it's um i get so inspired by the word humility and I'm, it so powerfully grounds me because i never want someone to say i wasn't humble i wanted to be i wanted to be um, when people would meet me or people would meet me within my business were like man i oh you're that dude that had that did those things. I'm like, God, and I, but I don't want to talk about it. Like it just, let's, let's, because it doesn't mean anything. I mean, when I'm 90 in an assisted living facility and then let's talk about how great we are. But right now, I, I mean, I'm not going trying to prove, Hey, how can I be a better sales and leadership coach? How can I be a better, how can I get my the message in my book out to people to help them in their life? How can I be a better dad, inspire other dads? And that's all I'm focused on right now. I love that. Always figuring out how to get better. Because again, I, I think if you are just, just saying, okay, man, I'm good with where I am now. Like I, like I'm, I'm good here. Like you mentioned, John Kitna, most guys, it would be a dream to get to the NFL. Mm -hmm. And, and Kitna stayed around for 17 years because he figured out the value he could bring to every team he played on. I, you know, when, when he walked into the locker room, and, and forgive me, Casey, I want to go here for a second because you, 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 you sparked that in me. A guy like Kitna walks into the locker room. When that team signed John Kitna, they knew exactly what they were getting. And I can imagine Kitna saying, okay, yeah, you know what you're getting. I'm going to show you what you're not, what you didn't expect to get. And that's the leadership, the value you can bring to your team. The way he communicates with teammates, making everybody in the locker room better. Like, like those are things in business when you can over deliver that that's ultimately the thing real quick. Would you take me through the biggest obstacle either in life or sports that you have faced and the lesson you learned from it? Well, I would, I would probably still go back to the, uh, the story I shared about my injury as the, by far the biggest adversity, but like that, but that, experience prepped me for, I mean, I, I was a part of the largest deal in, in my previous employer's K-Force history. I wrote about this in my book and I was also part of the biggest disaster. Like the, that same deal then fell apart three months later and I had to lay off a ton of people. And, but going through that injury of saying, man, the world's going to end what's going on. This sucks. Oh my God. To then realizing, no, yeah, this does, but, but what an opportunity to, to show leadership and to help help people stay calm and not freak out in the huddle and who, who cares we got we fumbled on first down but we got the ball back it was now at second 16 we still can make a positive play so that having that that um always the hope um or optimism that we can we can do great things and uh that that's what inspires me um i get sometimes inspiration from my own experiences which sounds weird to say but uh it, you know i i if I don't go through that injury moment um, and don't have the, the confidence and humility and vulnerability to go ask for help and put myself out there um, because majority 
of dads or business leaders or anybody. We, we let ego get in the way. We let ego stop us because we don't want to show weakness because I'm asking for help. It's kind of like when men don't want to ask for directions. Yeah. Right, sometimes, uh, to me, why not? Man, I just, I think the more that you can say what you're not good at, or the more you, you can say what you want help at. And so like all those lessons prepared me for where I'm at now in life. Man, that is so good. Casey, man, you've been so great with your time. I'm grateful for it. Share with us in the audience, your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. My biggest piece of intentional encouragement is each day we have the same amount of time. So when you tell yourself, man, I, don't, I, I want to work out. I just don't have enough time. Or I, I want to start reading more. I just don't have enough time. BS, we all have time. We have 1,440 minutes that we each get each day. And then that clock resets. So don't tell yourself you don't have time. You have time. You just, you got to be honest with yourself. Either you, you don't want to do it and be honest with it. Or I'm going to say, I'm going to make changes in my life. I'm going to get better at this. Stop using I need to, I should to, I have to. Just simplify it and say either I will or I won't. And when you make it that simple and more simplistic and you tell yourself those things um, and, you, and you start small with your goals versus like if you're not exercising right now, don't say you're going to go out and run a marathon. That's not realistic. But I will do four push-ups tomorrow. The next week I will do eight push-ups tomorrow. All of a sudden that starts multiplying. I will read 10 pages tomorrow in my book. I will journal once a day, a grad journal. Like to me, those little things like there of, of mindset change the game for everybody when you can realize that we're all in this journey together. And, but uh, I just don't like excuses. I don't, I like accountability and uh, I would just encourage people to be thinking about it from that perspective. Man, that is so good. That is so good. And I wrote this down, simplifying life setting small goals man that is so powerful that is that is so good what a great way to end our conversation casey tell folks how they can connect with you tell folks where they can get the qb dad podcast you're, you're gonna want to um you're gonna want to subscribe to that podcast as well tell folks how they can get connected with you yeah, no, thanks for asking. So the best way people can find me is just my website, caseyjcox.com. You can learn about my podcast, my book, my speaking, my coaching I do. Um, the podcast is live on every podcast player. It's called the Quarterback Dad Cast. Um, if, you, if you're interested in my book, that's called Win the Relationship, Not the Deal. You can find that on Amazon uh, right now. It's in, available in Kindle and paperback. The goal is to do a ebook. I'm sorry, a uh, Audible. Uh, it's, it's in the future plans, just making time to do it. Um, it is and, timely. Yes, it is. Speaking from one that has done a, an audible book, it is very timely. So very yeah, time that's the best way to find me. And you can, you, all my, my contact info is on my website. I'm also on LinkedIn. That's a big tool. I, I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So that's another place to find me as well. Awesome. Casey Jaycox, man, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Intentional Courage Podcast. I'm honored. Thank you for your time. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.